evening and welcome to episode 15 of the 3 on 3 podcast. Um, glad to be back on audio after last week's uh, travel disruptions. Um, as uh, John was telling everybody, it was uh, Judith Chalmers more than uh, myself. Uh, but glad to be back amongst uh, the regulars, the elder, the Paris and Scott. Gents, how are we? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, not bad. I think that's going to let us know what type of evening we've got. Um, our guest this week, um, last time we had him... Maybe not been the best time to talk about his home club, but hopefully tonight we'll be a bit more positive, attempt at least, um, about his club. However, thank you for giving me time this evening, Ross. Thanks, David. Cheers for having me. Hey, yeah, Ross, go. Good time to come on, sunshine. Your name came up in the house earlier. What's Ross saying earlier? What's Ross on about? What, what do you mean? Is he like, have you seen his tweet, Dump and Change, in reference to like that chocolate advent calendar thing? I was like, I don't know, dump and, dump and chase when, no, he's a dump and change. I was like, okay, I'll have to ask him to explain himself a bit later. So it's good, good that you're on that, Ross, to sort of explain what you meant by that, because I didn't really know what to say to that, to be honest. Can you no, offer some kind of, one. taking a fifth, is it? Yeah, I think that's probably safer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably for the oh, best. He wanted to read a couple of books about strategy, so I was just uh, giving him a play to start with, I think. Ah, okay. Very helpful. Um, so, we are literally on a weird one. We're recording literally after this weekend's Elite League fixtures have finished. Um, and we have four point weekends for Cardiff, Sheffield, Belfast, Nottingham, Guildford. Everyone else has got bugger all. Uh, gents, quick highlights of the weekend. We'll, go, we'll start with the Elder of the Parish. John? Mm. Um, I'm going to have to just be like uh, boring and say Guildford. found another way to win again tonight. The old Boring cliche about teams find a way to win, and they did tonight. I thought they might come unstuck against Manchester, and then Deluca went and uh, cost his team, taking a penalty in overtime, and uh, give Guildford two points. So perhaps Guildford showing they they got some fight in them, even though they were trailing twice against a really poor Manchester team, and they still found a way to win. Probably there. Um. I'm going to struggle giving a highlight from the Blaze. So I'm randomly going to give a highlight to the Sheffield Steelers fans. Two weekends in a row that they've done a Scottish double header and shows when a club does a good support package to go to those weekends and they fill out and do really well with those rinks. So a little uh, tip of the hat to the Sheffield Steelers fans doing two weekends in a row in the lead up to Christmas. Both, weekend, both weekends, there was over 200 fans um, that went with the supporters club. Never mind that went independently. So, yeah, it's a, a huge commitment given how close it is to Christmas. Ross? My highlight for the weekend, David, is the fact that it's over. An evening full of positiveness. That's, I can see it's a definite one. I'm going to stick with Sheffield. Um, it's been five five away games. Um, we was going to be bulldozed in the cup. Uh, that's good to see that happened well. Um, I managed to just get a bit of bit of form just at the right time. Um, yeah, nothing sparkling this weekend, but just jobs done. Um, so that's my highlight. Um, of uh, this week, and um, we'll we'll go on to to Sheffield and Nottingham because they're the two cl- clubs that we was, we've been mentioning previously that have been quiet 
bit disappointing. But over the last couple of weeks, they've started to find the voice, they've started to get some results. As you mentioned there with Sheffield, but Nottingham also started to pick up some wins, and uh, it's gone from not so sexy Nielsen hockey to the return of sexy Nielsen hockey. Um, I'll go with, with John and Scott. Um, is it kind of the right time that they're waking up a little bit? And as we mentioned before, it's now one of them's going to go, we're going to go for the, the chase of Guildford. Um, well, I would say one of them is going to chase Guildford. It's not Nottingham, let's be fair. Um, I, I think if you have any team that's capable of catching them, you only think Sheffield's the only team capable of doing it. Obviously, they've won six games over the last two weeks, including the two games against Cardiff. Um, obviously, four points in Scotland, back-to-back. Happy wife now is obviously happy that they put ten past Cardiff over two games. That sort of uh, went down well there. Um, I think Sheffield are probably... Now they're back to, to, to like sort of full strength in terms of now the injuries are back. I think they're kind of performing the way they probably would have done maybe a bit earlier in the season anyway. I think some of the results they probably picked up were when they have a few guys down. Now they haven't got that problem. You can see them obviously going on a run, to be fair, and perhaps chasing Guildford down. Um, in terms of Nottingham, yeah, three, three wins in four days. You can't really sort of knock that. Well, in fact, if you count the card of a game, four wins out of four. But then... That being said, okay, they won three and four over the last four days, but they played two of the worst teams in the league, to be fair, didn't they? They played five twice and they played Belfast. So is it really that big a deal? Scott shaking his head at me there. Um, but yeah, so Sexy Nielsen Hockey, which obviously, as we all know, was literally a piss take. Some certain Nottingham fans think it was actually a positive. But if you want to spin it round, yeah, it looks like Sexy Nielsen Hockey could be back on the books. But um, yeah, I, I think Nottingham are probably go on to maybe fourth, fourth, maybe fifth place at best league position as for challenge for the league. The down just done, I think, wasn't it, in September, October, really, in all fairness. Um, they're not in a running for that at all, but Sheffield, I can definitely see Pounton if uh, Guildford do slip up, which at the moment, are they going to do that? I'm not so sure. Scotty boy, what's your thoughts after your spanking of uh, Guildford last night, which effectively means that uh, having qualified for your first Challenge Cup in about 27 seasons, you've lasted three periods of hockey before you're probably already gone. What do you think? Or is that maybe a little bit harsh? I believe this segment is on the Nottingham and Sheffield, so we could talk about the Blaze shortly. Jonathan, well, let's stick I to think the topics, please. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll, let's talk Nottingham first. Um, we'll come back to that, shall we? Yeah, yes, yes. yes. Um, Nottingham. Um, I said when Nielsen came back in, I thought it was a good appointment and he will learn what's going on with that team. And I think it's proven that he has learned. Uh, obviously, they get spanked by five and then tonight they put it right, 4-0. Job done, beat Belfast. Do I think Nottingham will make strides in the league this year? No. But when it comes to the end of the year, when it's playoffs and they've got that lead going into the second leg in Belfast, it's only a one-goal lead, but, you know, you don't know. So, Nielsen wouldn't have come in blind. He would have done his research, and I think that they could potentially cause an upset at the end of the season. Uh, Kudos to Mr Williams, even though he's just giving me some shit. He said the Sheffield would pick up when Mosey and Allen came back in, and they have. And 
yes, they're playing the lesser teams in Scotland, but, but they are banana skin fixtures. And to get eight points over two weekends in Scotland, that's no mean feat. And not many clubs will go and do that. So, yeah, uh, I think there's a little fire lit under the, the Sheffield Steelers. And Ross, obviously, I don't know if you've watched the, the previous two weeks, Glasgow-Sheffield games. I missed the first one, but last Saturday night some watched on the webcast. And it, for me, it did look like, as we mentioned previously, that the return of Mosey and Allen would actually feel like a new import. And they seemed to play like a fresher team. Uh, well, what were your thoughts on, on them kind of games and, and how Sheffield were performing? I went to both of them. The first one... Clan weren't at the races in the slightest, and to be honest, whilst the second one was a bit nicer from my standpoint, weren't really at the races either. It didn't really feel like Sheffield were, not, not to say they weren't trying, but there was definitely another gear there. Um, whether that's the addition of returnees or just competition that hasn't unfortunately hit their stride this year, um, it, it could be either, but I think... Guildford, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, it'll be interesting to see how they do. But they're they're due a bit of a slip up. They haven't had that that run of a kind of slump just yet. Um, if Sheffield come on the up at the same time as Guildford, maybe take a little slide, then the the league could open up. But at the moment, I think it's Guildford's to lose. I must be honest, and kind of put on the slant on the other team. We're not going. I watched the the Challenge Cup game and. They they do look like a bit more organised. Whether it's just that one game against against Belfast, but they do seem to be a bit more organised. Whether they'll do anything or go on that bit like fifteen game run that we mentioned that potentially Cardiff may do uh, in and around the uh, Connecticut Cup weekend, I don't think they will. Um, but they uh, one thing I do like, and I'll, I don't know if this is what Scott wants to say as well, but they're using Luke Ferrara a lot better. Um, He's in a position, he's not just wasted on the fourth line, he's now, I think he's on the second line, um, with a coach that knows how to use him, because he's obviously coached with the uh, the national team. Um, and yeah, they, they do look like a bit more a bit more about them. Um, don't know if that was what you wanted to say, Scott, or something else you wanted to raise. Um, yeah, just on Belfast, I think they, sh- they struggle on the big ice. Um the other night with the power play, it was very much on the left-hand side. When they did score a goal, they utilised the whole of the zone. And then just on the game tonight, I think with Belfast, they're very much a rink team. And that's a bit weird for that sort of side where you'd expect them to sign a home team. Whereas going back to Nottingham now with Corey Nielsen, he's got what they're doing and will understand how they play. I think their, their second leg is the first week of the new year. So I think the, the festive period will kind of give a real indication of what Nottingham will be about, whether they have any sniff of hanging on the coattails of a title campaign, or it literally is the case of it's wait for the playoffs and do what they do best. Um, in regards to Sheffield... Um, I, I, I think everyone's waiting for Guildford to slip up like Ross said we've got three games left against Guildford and I think them three are going to be huge games two of them in Sheffield um, and I, I think 
we could very closely, depending on how other teams do, come down to a two-horse race very quickly, which I don't think many people want as early in this in the season. You'd like it to kind of go to like three, four weeks left of the season when the two kind of go for it for the title. I think that could end up being quite quick because Belfast are, although they got two wins this weekend, they've been a bit inconsistent. Cardiff are hit and miss. Um, Sheffield have had a nice period away from home where they can't win at home, but away, good record. Um, and it's, it's looking like it's formulating like that two horse race. So I think it's going to be interesting. Um, obviously, the, the festive period you've got, um, Sheffield have Nottingham and Manchester home and away, uh, boxing day games and the, the Winter Classic. A little bit different to the ones I watch on TV, but hey ho. Um, who are we to argue? Um, and I think, I think Guildford have Manchester and, do they have you guys, Scott, across the festive period? If I completely made that up. Who? Guildford. No, we play our usual, um, Cardiff at Christmas and Nottingham at New Year. Right, so I can put the middle up. So I think the festive period will be very uh, key into uh, it'll see where things are and uh, as ever, time will tell. So we'll, we'll, we've mentioned him slightly and we'll move on to, to Glasgow and we'll bring Ross into this a bit more. Um, like we said at the beginning, last time we brought you on, we're at the best of times to talk about the clan. Um, so hopefully this one will be a bit more positive. Um, I'll start opening question. Since all that happened and kind of from then to now, how has been the feel of, of the club how's it, from a fan base perspective? Has it been start to look a bit more positive as you know some of the changes that have happened since kind of got the fans slightly back on board or just at least feel better about the club? There was a brief kind of feel-good factor again when... Cameron was punted and Dixon and Stevenson took over. Um, they went on a not a massive run, but you could definitely see the stylistic change of the boys buying into a new coaching system and, and new coaches. Um, again, like it seems to be a weird year this year that no one seems to, apart from Guildford, no one seems to be able to put together a, a proper run at it. There's everyone seems to be a bit stop start, so it's regressed a little bit, and that the, the the performances aren't amazing on the ice at the moment. Off the ice, it feels a bit rudderless. No one really knows what's going on as far as the the takeover stuff. That's went a bit all quiet in the Western Front. Um, there's not been a whole lot said about who's running management stuff. Obviously, there's been the, are they there, are they not? People leaving and then not actually leaving. Um, but I think... For a lot of people, and probably myself included, kind of feel like we're going through the motions a little bit, kind of just holding out for the new owner to appear or not appear or whatever ends up happening. It's in a weird limbo where you're going to games hoping not to be beat too much and anything above dead last at the moment is looking quite fun. And obviously... With the change of coaching, you've, you finally got that first win of the season. Um, and then you strung a few wins. So is it really a case of it's a bit more of a, of a downbeat club that's just hoping to get through completely unscathed or as unscathed as possible? Or is it, is it a death scenario to go, can you find a way, and we'll go on to obviously some of the roster changes you've had, that that eighth spot could potentially be a realistic target? 
It's definitely not unachievable. Um, I'm going to pull a Belfast here and complain that we've got injuries, as everybody does, because it's ice hockey. Um, but the changes-wise, there's been a couple of guys made a, a big impact. Unfortunately, Bolton's not managed to stay for whatever reason. He would have been nice to keep. We've obviously lost Matthew Wah, who's a big, big um, points producer. Um, he would have obviously been nice to keep because he's been pretty consistent throughout his time in the Elite League. Um, but I don't think eighth is unachievable. Um, but no fan base is desperately sitting there watching every game desperate to win eighth place. You, you kind of want to be in the, the running for something, whether that's playoffs, Challenge Cup or something. To eke your way into playoffs is going to feel, even if we do it, it's still going to feel, to me at least, a bit of a damp squib considering we were told this is the most expensive budget that Clan have put together on a team. The hockey hasn't exactly been interesting. Um, it's been quite a dull style to watch. And if you're watching boring hockey and the best you can do is eighth, it's, you're, you're kind of just hoping to get through the season, I think. And I was going to kind of go on to what you mentioned there in respect of it's eighth still not what you want and what you want to try to celebrate. And I suppose from the outside in looking at how everything just, it weren't the case of a bad signing. Obviously, everyone knows what happened, but it just completely took a hell of a lot out of the club. Um, yeah. So you kind of, as you appreciate you're saying there, it's the most expensive budget, supposedly, that the client have spent. Um, do you think, hindsight's our question, that had it been a normal season, with everything respectfully in brief, do you reckon it could have been something that Clan could have gone and been consistent and kind of hit the strides? Or do you reckon it actually was... It was said no, to be expensive, but actually just fell very short of the target. Not under that, Coach. I think they were always destined to underperform. And if you look at Malcolm Cameron's track record, even pre-Clan, I can't remember which, there's some ECHL team, I think it's Norfolk or something that he came from. You go and have a look at their Facebook, and they were tearing and it lumps out of them, just expecting the second season to be a bit of a crash. Um, and they all said he's a, a guy that comes in, tears the heartbeat out of your club and then fucks off, for want of a better expression. Um, but I think if we put the signing stuff aside, we were on a shit run anyway. Um, so he probably should have went just for performance reasons rather than anything else. Ross... <sighs> Um, I've said on this podcast the frustrations with the clan they mount more than the results I felt like you signed that player and then everyone left and everyone came back and the sponsors left and it kind of gave you that little week of grace but nothing's changed and as a fan do you not feel like the fan base need to do more to say come on What's going on? Like the owner said, there was going to be a new GM. The owner said there was going to be a new coach. Signing a player that you didn't want back or wasn't coming back in Stevenson, and now he's your coach. And I'm not impressed by Stephen Dixon's interviews. I don't see him as a, a guy that is there for the the right reasons. Do you not feel like the the fan base needs to do more to say, "Come on, what's going on?" Or are you just hoping? 
that something will happen next season and it's the same old story. I'm kind of glad we've got Stevenson, if I'm honest. I know you said we didn't want him back or whatever happened there, but I think without him we would probably feel even more rudderless. Um, but as opposed to like, what we can do more, I, I certainly there, it's almost like an apathy, and I agree with you. There's a lot of people last night on Twitter saying they've almost checked out. Um, my other half couldn't make the game yesterday, and I couldn't give her ticket away. Um, I couldn't get anyone to take it for free. So I, I suppose to calling for more to be done, I don't even know who we ask or who we call from because who's actually there? No one's confirmed if Chalmers is away properly or if he's just doing the arena. Neil Black has historically not exactly been the most visible owner, um, and if he's if he's looking to sell. I think it'll be even harder to get to do anything whatsoever. Um, it certainly feels like at the moment we're just going to have to ride it out and hope for a new owner. Um, and if I'm honest, I'm not even entirely sure that the ownership group that are looking to to buy it are the right people in the first place. Um, my worry there is that it's a case of better the devil you know with someone that you know as a fan that is personally invested, but realistically they don't have any real hockey experience um, I don't know how deep their pockets are that they can maybe throw money at the problem and then outsource the the running of the club etc but until there's some sort of business plan to get the get behind them it's more a case of a feel good story that there's a fan trying to buy the club and someone wants to do something about it but we, we don't actually know what that's going to look like longer term Um As well, Ross, again, where all the outsiders looking in, as opposed to you, yourself and your mates that obviously see the games. Now, obviously, everyone knows the clan had a crap start of the season, putting it mildly. Couldn't buy a win anywhere. Obviously, injuries already started to pile up really early on. Big guys like Laporte and stuff as well. Obviously, you've lost Bolton and Wa in recent weeks. Two of your probably better players, especially in Wa. You know, he's the, the guy you'd expect to score goals. Again, looking from the outside, it seems bizarre that now your coach is gone, which obviously in itself saves you an element of expenditure. Why are they going with a player coach still, or, you know, two players, player coach, however you want to look at it, with Dixon being the lead on there? Is there any sort of signs from or rumblings up in Scotland that they're looking to bring players in to either replace the players you've, you've lost or allow Dixon to become a bench coach in its in its own right and replace him on the ice because effectively the league is, is too good to have a player coach anyway and when you're playing three or four guys short every single week you're almost playing with your hands tied behind your back every single weekend and it must be tough for the players when you've got no full-time bench coach and you're playing three or four guys short all the time is there any talk amongst the fans or you know fair talk of replacements wanting to come in after Christmas is apparently the rumour but whether or not that will then mean that anyone transitions to a bench coach, I'm not 100% sure. Ideally, that would be the the case. But I honestly can see if Neil Black is selling it and he knows he's selling and he's checked out, I can honestly see him not dipping his hand in his pocket to bring in a, a standalone bench coach because he'll be wanting to do everything as cheaply as possible so that he can get his own money back out and not have to waste anything on it. I, I genuinely think the guy doesn't give a shit anymore. Um, if he ever did, which is a bit harsh, but he's always said that 
Nottingham was his team and that Clan was a business for him. Um, and if he's running it purely as a business that he knows he's getting rid of, I can honestly see him just letting it float along to the end of the season and hoping that a deal's done. Um, as Scott says, it would be nice if we could do something to kind of push it all along a bit. If it's genuinely getting bought, I can see that taking months rather than weeks. It'll take forever. Um, but as far as a standalone bench coach, I'm not sure I've always seen one this season. I suppose the issue you have with Mr Black, though, is like you could have a, a rare Pikachu Pokemon card that he values at bloody £1 million. But if someone's not prepared to buy it at that price, where does Neil Black give up on that? Which was rumour a couple of years ago that he was looking to sell. Whether or not that was legitimately true, I, I don't know. But the rumour was the asking price he was looking for was higher than a buyer was looking to do. And he just ended up keeping it. And if that is the case, then arguably you've got bigger problems that you've now kept a club you didn't want with a disenfranchised fan base with no one behind the wheel. Um, and we've seen what happens in previous years where trying to put together a team last minute, whether that was the the COVID season where we didn't know if we were going to have a rink and we started a bit later. But you could argue then at least we had a, a coach and a GM. You've got neither of those properly at the moment. So it's all ifs and buts, and I agree with entirely what you're saying. They, they probably need to have a bit of stability in there. But at the same time, if you're a GM, are you going to take a job knowing that the club's up for sale? Because... There's no, you don't know that the new owner, the new owners are going to keep you, um, and if the new owners are the Ashbury conglomerate, they probably need to be outsourcing the GM of a hockey club because they've never done that. Um, in an ideal world, I think it would be nice to have a kind of joined up approach between the conglomerate and the existing ownership and look to build for the both of them for the rest of the season going into the future because realistically. If you take over a hockey club with no hockey experience, it's not going to last long. So, um, if John, has any more questions? No, I think we've beaten up Glasgow enough over the last uh, three months, to be fair. And we really, I think we've been quite kind tonight. And I think even Ross has been kind of uh, very well spoken and he could have gone to town on him. But, yeah, Glasgow is just kind of a... unfortunately, John. Hmm? I've still got to go back next week, unfortunately, so I'm being nice for once. Yeah, mate, with respect to people like yourself and Andy and stuff, like keeping yourself through it, and obviously you love the game. And um, Andy, Andy doesn't go. He stopped going now, has he? <laughs> well, he's got more sin, hasn't he? He's not paid for a season ticket, he's not that daft. Well, exactly, but <laughs> let's be fair, you're a hockey purist, mate, you know, so fair play. You're a hockey purist to watch you that crap every week. That takes some doing, mate. Like yeah, I've been Detroit for the last five years, John. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about going for punishment. Um, so we'll we'll round off the Glasgow bit. Um, Ross, prediction end of the season. Are you going to make the postseason? Are you going to do any? Is anything going to happen that gives you something to help go? We can have something next year. Oh, absolutely. Faith exists. Um, so there's always a, a almost certainty that you can leapfrog them at some point. Um. If we're going to make an arse of it off ice, Fife are always going to do a little bit worse. Um, and I think, for me, the optimism comes 
at the slip up of somebody else that 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 can happen in this league and it doesn't take that many games to turn a bit of a run on at the end to then make your way into the playoffs and you could argue that if you're at that kind of you see it in the NHL all the time the siege mentality that if you're fighting to get into the playoffs you're already in playoff mode by the time you're there now we don't have a proper playoffs but you're you're playing playoff hockey at that point if you've got that mentality so um, getting to Nottingham yeah, I think we'll do it this year. That would be typical client to make an arse of everything else and then get to Nottingham for the second time ever. Yeah, fair, fair play. Um, and, and again, like John said, thanks for uh, for kind of insight um, into Glasgow post everything that had gone on. So thanks for that, Ross. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll go back to the Midlands area and we'll bring Scott in um, uh, with the commentary blaze, kind of not slipping but looking like. It could be close to where they had a fair bit of promise. Recent results and promises may suggest that could be, you know, a bit of a dead end, really, kind of was the season. I'll leave it to Scott to to debrief us all. Um, yeah, we 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 are struggling in the sense that we are a good team, but we're not a great team, and we are slightly predictable. And a little bit boring at times. And Guildford last night, our ideal trophy is to win the Challenge Cup. And we, we, we qualify and we go to Guildford last night and we got blown out 5-0. And if we had a CJ Martin, I hate to say, if we had someone in the past, that game's not 5-0. We take silly penalties. And our issue is we have great offensive demon in the sense that we've got Brady, Norris and Nathaniel Halbert, but we are taking so many stupid penalties and it's going to hurt us in the long run. So it's 5-0. We're out of the cup already. I, we, we cannot bring that back when we've got to play Guildford on a Thursday night trying to sell that game. So yeah, we, we concentrate on the league and you asked me the other week about why don't we beat Belfast? We've proved it again tonight. Belfast, and it was a great game, as in if you were a neutral, you would have loved it end-to-end. But we did our normal. We conceded a goal. I'll tell you what happened. We conceded a goal, and Halbert took a slashing penalty as a goal went in, and then they scored on that power play. Belfast did their normal, scored two quick goals, and then we're chasing. And we don't have the players that can drag us to a win. It's all right when we're two goals up and your flair players then enjoy themselves. We don't have the old school Cloutiers. We don't have the Calders. We don't have those guys that will drag us to a win. When Cardiff had their old guys, when it was Martin and Hotham and those guys, and then Sheffield had Ligui and Talbot and those, and then Clan had... Stefan Meyer and Keith and all that. It's just, there's a little bit missing with the Blaze. And it's a shame because there is a lot of promise in that team. But I think we're getting found out a little bit. And we're kind of where we probably predicted to be. So I'm hoping that something may change. Maybe a change after Christmas. Because there's still stuff to play for and there's still a trophy at the end of the season that I would like us to win. 
I was going to go on and ask the question about any changes you'd think would happen uh, or you'd like to see just to mix it all up there. Um, the other question I, I kind of asked then, you, you mentioned that there's, there's, no, there's not that type of guy that goes, get my back and we'll get the two points. Does Danny Stewart kind of have the capacity, I mean, or is he showing the capacity that he's getting that bench results aside from the last two weeks, but he's getting, to the, getting the bench to go, we can do this, and getting that belief within that team that, yes, he ain't got the guy that can, that can just do it with performances, but having the coach to get the, the team to believe they're actually able to do it themselves. Is that, are you seeing that happening, or is it a case of even there that's not missing per se, but just something not able to get from, from the roster you've got? Um, I don't know a player that's slagged off Danny ever. They always say he's a people coach and he's inspiring to the team. And you can see that from the bench. Um, so I'm not too sure. I, I just think sometimes when we are a tough team, but when it gets a bit more with the physicality, we can't dominate a team. And it always surprises me when I've got Danny Stewart as my coach because that's how he played. And he always, he said in the past, we had a fans forum when he first came in, he says, I don't want a, too much of a physical team because they don't win anything. And that's what he said about Cardiff, you know, back in the BBT days where they weren't winning anything. They had such a physical team. And sometimes it just, it just frustrates me. And I also don't like the fact that we have Norwich and Halbert as a deep pairing because they are two of the elite defenders in our team. But they're very much, very much offensive demon and they they're both pushing forward and then they come back and they take those stupid penalties if you look at our penalties it's Norwich and Halbert I would like the deep area to be split up obviously I'm sounding like a coach here and I apologise for that but it's just little things that you see um, Bessely and Billings and that they're struggling for points I don't know. I don't. I don't have a magic wand because, as I keep saying, we are a good team, but at the moment we're not a top forty. Do you reckon that it's kind of you mentioned in respect of what you were saying about not being physical? It's kind of a borderline. It's against the Coventry Blazers DNA on that period of time when they were successful and, and, and winning everything. Do you kind of think it's kind of going a bit toward away from that DNA? Yeah, it is, but then we are exciting to watch as well. Our t- the transition, the transition play we have, and we are exciting to watch, but we don't then penetrate. And it's, I don't have the magic answer. We're, it's a few tinkers that, yes, I don't think we're going to win the league, but I hope that Danny's looking to say, and I know I said we signed 11 new imports, I hope we're looking to, Obviously, we brought J.D. Dudek in this week. I'm hoping that there's something that we can change. Obviously, we're not going to win the league. But to have a good end of season, because if we win the playoffs, we get Europe, I believe. So, let's go. Playoffs does give you the, the Continental Cup spot. Um, or it has them previously. Um, we'll bring John in as he kind of uh, tried to overtake in one subject to talk about Coventry. Um John, you know, as a fan of a team that's rival of, of the Coventry, do you see it as a something to, to smile and enjoy, but, but also, or do you also see it as kind of a disappointing to see Coventry kind of go a little bit downhill after the good start they've had? 
No, I, I take no pleasure in commentary news, and if anything, Scott's been one of my best mates in hockey for longer than I can remember. Um, and if Coventry are winning games, then then great. I've never ever seen that the rivalry, even when I was like sort of there and back and forth with Cardiff over the years. I did never get that kind of sense that Coventry and Cardiff were, were great rivals. Okay, location wise, it was fairly close between the two teams. Um, so I've never really hated hot Coventry, and the boys are mocking me now. So that's fine, boys. Just gonna love Scott more than you two. That's fine. But David's a close second. But Ross, you can just do one. I lost what I was gonna say now. Um, yeah. So I mean, to be fair, maybe I was part of the kiss of death. To be fair, I, I pred- confidently predicted Coventry would get through the tie, and I, and I truly did. And I think it's, just, it's it's sad for them now that they are out. And as Scott said, to try and sell a game on Thursday just before Christmas with an unassailable lead, it's going to cost them a lot of money, unfortunately. So that will not help them, obviously, going forward after Christmas. One thing you did pick up on, um, and I've noticed that myself in a few games, is obviously having Norwich and um, Halbert on the same line as well. And I've always wondered if they're a bit too hot, top-heavy. Top um, if you're maybe winning a game two or three, as Scott said, they can maybe perhaps show a bit of flair. But it's like when Cardiff had Hotham and Fournier, Whilst they were two like unbelievable players, you couldn't have them on the same line because you've got the two guys effectively sort of joining in a rush all the time. All well and good if one can skate back every single time. And those two guys on the Coventry team have got the pace to do it. Whereas Scott said, you're going to maybe take penalties when you're trying to come back all the time. You need to sort of maybe have those. as You're one and three, for example, on the top two lines. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I honestly thought this season maybe... Coventry was a bit more grit than they have in the past. We've given a bit of love over the last few weeks as well. I did think perhaps maybe they would show more of a run than they have in the past. Maybe they overachieved. Maybe they were being a bit unfair. Maybe, as I said, fourth, fifth, whatever, is where they may have expected to come at the start of the year. But like anything, when your team starts doing well, expectations do change and maybe you get a little bit more greedy and you want to sort of maybe look at challenging for the league. I like Danny Stewart as a coach as well. I think he's a coach with a few more quid in his, in his budget. I think he could really do things in this league. Um, let's be honest, over the years, he's never had a big budget. You can tell by the strength of maybe the Brits they have to bring in. Sometimes they don't go out and push a boat out and, and, and get a top-end Brit. Okay, they had Ferrara a few years ago, and I'm sure he was getting paid well. But that aside, you wouldn't see there's a lot of depth in the British core. And sometimes some of the imports, you're thinking, well... Would they make a top two, three team? Possibly not. But I mean, Coventry, Coventry, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're competing with teams with, with way more money, way bigger crowds. And whilst the history has been fantastic, they've won a lot of trophies. It's probably the most storied team in the last 15, 20 years if you had all their trophies together. But at the end of the day, you have to be realistic. You know, you're getting small crowds right now. There's not a lot of money coming through the gates. Unfortunately, you're not backed by big, rich owners like some clubs are. And I think where they are is where they probably will be for the next few years, unless they do get an influx of money. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a bit sad that they lost the first game 5-0. I know it gives Scott a bit of stick, but that's just made to be mates. And it's a shame, really, that Ty's dead, uh, because Guildford are not a team you're going to overhaul a two or three goal lead, let alone a five goal lead. You, that, that's dead. Dead in the water. You know, you might have had a chance with one or two goals and catch them early. But it's, uh, yeah, just focus on the league now, I think, as Scott said. At the end of the day, it's just 
the cup's gone. Um, move on and hopefully build the team with a run into the playoffs and try and do something in Nottingham in April, maybe. Um, quick question, Scott. Is it a full price ticket on Thursday as well? Yes, it is. It's not something I, I know. It's I've seen tweets going around, and it, we're not an arena team. We we can't be doing that sort of deal because we are not going to get double the fan base. It, it doesn't work like that. And I know it's a bugbear of fans, and but Sheffield can do it because Sheffield, as I said earlier, fantastic fan base. We are struggling for fans, and I don't want to make excuses, but to get to the Skydome right now is a joke because the road's shut off. We've got no car park. And on a Thursday before Christmas, when it's late shopping, we're not going to, it's not going to happen. And offering a cheaper ticket won't change much. Yeah, fair enough. I just wondered, obviously, like I say, just before Christmas, you know, Thursday night, it's not a best of sales at the best of times, never mind. Um, kind of looking down at the bow 5 0. Ross, as, as a very much outside the, in, the other side of the board, what's, what's your take on, on the commentary place recent time I think it's been an interesting start um, it would be nice if we'd get these teams that I say that and someone who's from a team that's a arguably similar size um, none of the storied franchise right enough when you've got one playoff weekend in 10 years but um, I think the interesting comment there with Scott was regards to to D um, and I'm slight tangent I'm seeing it a little bit with my NHL team and that you've got a guy last year on the first line who or first D pair who was called a trophy winner and he's struggling but he's struggling because he's with a guy that's arguably trying to play the way he is um, so you can see them button heads and you wonder sometimes do these kind of guys look a bit better when you make them the guy Um and I'm not going to go the classic clan fan and say you want a stay-at-home D here because I think that that role is truly pretty much gone in the game. Um, but someone that's maybe willing to let these guys be a bit more upfront and uh, that might, that if I were you, that would maybe be on my shopping list. Is not necessarily needing to rejig too much, but giving giving these guys someone that will let them just show their offensive flair a little bit. Um, and as you say, the Challenge Cup's pretty much done, but there's no reason why playoffs can't be the big one. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch what happens towards the, the business end of the year. Uh, um, we'll kind of leave it, so I'll uh, end it with, with Scott. Um, so in terms of um, Ross with, with Glasgow, do you... Is it too soon to kind of go where you think you'll finish, or because there's obviously still a lot of hockey to play? But do you think you may have enough of a run now before any changes to maybe even sneak a top four finish? Um, unless unless we change a little bit, I I, I can't see it. I I I would think fifth would be our our gain. I I don't know. I. Hart would say we win the league, but I think we're talking four fifth. Oh, fair, fair enough. And, and another, we say it a lot of time will tell, but I think it's 
I think with Coventry, I think it's, it's going to be interesting if they do, Danny does make the changes and see how, because one thing I will say about Danny is, is when he makes changes, they kind of be kind of, you know, really impact changes and has the turnaround that you want from a, a new sign. So be interested to see what happens if that does be the case. So being between this recording and the last recording, we've had two Challenge Cup quarterfinals completed, one uh, of both first legs uh, will not go over the Guildford Coventry one out of kindness to Scott um, but we'll we'll talk about the two finished um, Sheffield knocking out Cardiff quite convincingly in the end one may even say bulldoze Cardiff out of the cup um, and Fife um, are in the semi-finals for the first time ever uh, after beating Dundee on penalties Um We'll go round table on this one, gents, but uh, we'll start on the five side. I know it's not necessarily Ross's favourite subject, but in one respect, is it good to see one of the Scottish teams, and not necessarily Glasgow, but we want to say that, but like one a team like Kavai for Dundee that don't get much glory in the Cup, not the playoffs, but they get the Cup, seeing one of them, and I know the tie gave guaranteed one of them, but it's good to see one of them actually make the semi final and, and actually have a crack at making the final. Nah, fuck them. You know, I think it's a bit of shit, though, to see people go through to a bit of a, a, a semi-final or, or finals on penalty shots. You kind of hope they were the kind of games where you could not necessarily pull in the NHL rule or something, but a double overtime or something, where if you're going on to go win a cup or something, it's not just regular season points. Going to penalty shots kind of sucks. I, I think it's a problem we have in respect of you know, ownership of the rinks and the, the time budget they have for um, bookings for games. I, I do agree that you you don't want penalties to decide ties in that respect. So I think that's kind of the, the necessary evil that we do have um, in, in the UK, unfortunately. But, you know, you know, can you imagine it was a continuous overtime? Imagine that going to seven periods. That would have been interesting. Um, but John, you know, you've obviously been around a fair bit. Um, what's, you know, seeing five in the semi-final, did you ever think that would happen? Absolutely not. I mean, let's be fair. We One of the things we kind of talked about, we were fuzzing as a, as a fairly neutral in that one of the two teams would get through. Um, let's be realistic. They're a token team in the semi-final. Um, assuming, obviously, the way that things look now, I'm assuming they probably play Sheffield. I'm guessing with the way the format works out, depending on who does qualify, it could still change. Amazing for the fans, it really is, because, yeah, if you're Fife, you're not expecting to get to a final if you're a Fife fan. Um, again, we probably jinxed um, Dundee, because I think we pretty much all said Dundee would get past them the other day with the injuries that Fife had. Um, Pleased for the Fife fans, but yeah, it, it only goes as far as this one more round now. They're not going to get to the final, unfortunately. Um, I kind of agree with you as well, what you said about continuous overtime. Even if you're a Fife or a Dundee fan, imagine if that goes to seven periods. You want to watch seven periods of Fife versus Dundee. I wouldn't fancy having that even in my life at any point. 
Um, but yeah, it is great. I mean, the way that the fixtures worked out this season in terms of, well, not the fixtures, but the way that the, that the group's finished, it could have been, you know, maybe Fife going through, Guildford or Coventry going through, that's two guaranteed semi-finalists, and Alex of Cardiff and maybe Nottingham or Belfast already been out, which is very, very rare for our league, and I think it gives every fan of every club a little bit of hope that maybe one day we could get there, rather than the big boys dominating every single season. But it is a bit sad that one of them had to go go out. Um, but equally, congratulations to five they made the, the last four. And in a one-game knockout, you never know. But over two periods, or so over two games rather, they're not going to overhaul one of the big boys, are they really? Just before I bring Scott into this conversation, just go through the, the permutation of what can happen in terms of the fixtures, uh, and I'll give a nod to, to John Fernley, he's, he's put them out there. Um, so, assuming that Belfast-Guildford join Sheffield-Fife, it would be Belfast-Guildford in one semi-final, Sheffield-Fife in the other. Um, if Nottingham was to overdo Belfast, and assuming that Coventry don't overdo Guildford, it would be Sheffield Nottingham um, in one semi-final and Fife Guildford in the next. So a couple, of, you know, obviously depends on who's the high seed and everything else. Um, but we'll, I'll bring Scott in, uh, in, to, in for the Fife one. Um, and I know what you said, John, in terms of you know they probably are that's going to hit the wall. But could they potentially even do a Dundee in the playoffs last year? So I'll try not to mention much, um, but, you know, and shock a team, well, would be Sheffield again, and make a final. Uh, I don't believe so in the middle of the season, especially when the big teams are starting to roll. Um, as much as it's nice to see Fife in the semis at this stage of the season, when there's still other trophies to play for, and some of the players are not already on the plane. I, I cannot see it, um, but fair play to Fife for getting this far. Well, we, we heard it here first. Um, and then we'll, we'll go on to, to Sheffield Cardiff, um, and I'll bring John in straight away. But we'll bring him with the comment of uh, the head coach. Um, it's a nice little soundbite for BB2 Sports Wales that uh, the bulldozing of the Steelers out of the cup. Would the scoreline suggest that worked well? I think if he wants, I think if he was allowed to have his time back, he would maybe not make those comments. To be fair, um, I don't think it's the kind of comment you'd have ever seen Andrew Lord make. Certainly not before a, a massive tie against your biggest rival team. Obviously, came back to bite him in the ass. To be fair, it was probably said to try and court a bit of favour with the fans because let's be honest with you, that, that is a feeling amongst a lot of people. Um, a feeling that, you know, I've shared at times, uh, admittedly, but it's not the way to go into a, a, a tie against a rival like Dan poking the bear. I know you could sort of argue that he's, well, well not when he was at the helm, I mean, Cardiff won there, I think, five goals last year in the Cup when he was a non-playing player. I don't think he was playing by that time. I think he'd sort of skipped out by about the third game, I think, that season. Um, it sort of made my... Uh, uh, other half very happy as he was loving the, the double digit scoreline over the two likes um, yeah a bit of a weird one because really, you don't ever see you know these two teams wipe each other out 
back to back. Over the years, there've been many games where they played back to back over the weekend, uh, and on, you often find that Cardiff winning Sheffield and think here we go for a weekend, and then Sheffield will come down to Cardiff and win the following evening, or in return. Um, so to give that team hiding twice in a week was a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a, a message, should we say, they sent out to everybody else that, you know, they think they, they're, they're back and they're rolling again. And I think, unfortunately for Cardiff, they caught them at a bad time with a few injuries at themselves. And even though a few guys back last Wednesday, the game was done. Even though they scored early and it made it look like it might be a, a comeback on the cards. Within seconds, it was one all, and then 3-1 before you knew it, and then the tie was done. And then towards the end, then Cardiff just to put some fight out to say they won the fights rather than the the game. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't what I think a lot of people would have expected. I mean, Scott did say they'd come back and win in Cardiff, to be fair. But let's be honest with you, we've all got a crap record for predicting on this pod, haven't we, really? So, that's not a dig against Scott. I'm probably the worst, you know. Yeah, well, you have. I've made some great predictions. And if the game finished after 19 seconds, I was in. Yeah, but... The game will last for 60 minutes. Yeah, so I'm not going to be funny, but I've probably got the worst record for making predictions so far. But, yeah, I think Scott was maybe taking some kind of um, illegal substances when he made that prediction, I think, last weekend. Because that was never going to happen. Um, <laughs> Scott, I mean, if if Cardiff had any chance of getting it back in the tie, 3-1 down rapidly and pulling your goalie, was that kind of a bit of a white flag moment for him? Um, well, I've made my points clear on Mr. Dupont. I'm not sure on him. I've called him Noddy, and maybe that's not nice, but he is not a Cardiff coach, and it's that is a hard fan base to please. That is a new fan base, and I know I keep saying it, and I don't mean to be rude about the new fan base, but when they are losing, they are on their phones tweeting. And then they're deleting the next day. Once you've been around in this sport for a while, you understand that your team loses. It's sport. One team wins, one team loses. And if the new fan base continue in their ways, DuPont might last. So, yeah. Don't know. And Ross, I appreciate that. You know, very much outside in Glasgow and making the quarters. But did you see in that particular tie uh, an aggregate scoreline that heavy on one side? No, not really. Um, it's as building what Scott said a little bit. It's an expectant fan base. Um, Cardiff. It's been rare in the last couple of years that Cardiff aren't expected to win something. Um, they're not in the running for the league. That's not happening. They're not in the running for the Challenge Cup. If he doesn't win the playoffs, it's definitely on a bit of a, a sugly peg or whatever the Welsh equivalent is. Um, that that fan base will be out for blood quite quickly. Um, to be honest, looking forward to it. Um, Twitter needs that kind of drama. We can't all be singing by the side of the bus all the time. We've got to stick a bit in something. <laughs> Ross, I try and translate in Welsh what a shaggy peg would 
would would be, but what even is that even in English? To be fair, I've no idea what that even is. A shaky peg. It's a sugarly peg. A sugarly peg. A sugarly peg. So, uh, how do you translate that in English? Um, a peg, as in like you know, you hang your jacket on a peg. If it's not quite secure, it shugles. It's weak. It's not. Well, Scott's kind of half, because obviously Scott is from Scotland, he half understands what you're talking about. I'm baffled, Dave looks baffled. I'm, I'm going to guess like Ropey Foundation stuff, you know, you know, you know Ropey right. Foundation stuff. You've surely done enough away trips to Brayhead at this point that you've picked up some of the dialect. I'm maybe all 17 beers deep in Brayhead, to be fair, over the years, you know, so if, yeah. I'm, if I'm getting a sense of what's going on, I'm having a good time. Add words together and assume what they mean, and your drunk brain will translate it. But let's be honest with you, even when we're all sober, like Welsh and Scots together, it's a lot of nodding and smiling going on, isn't it? We're all pretending we've got a clue what each other's saying, but we just have to be and like, give each other a hug and stuff. But yeah, my GCSE Welsh probably doesn't ex- extend to that, I'm afraid. I always love to sort of give you some kind of uh, you know, translation, but. I'm Are you talking. pretending you talk GCSEs? <laughs> it's because one's educated. I, I, I'm thinking it's on before, though. Was it CSEs? <laughs> O-levels, weren't they, back in your day? You, you, I'll be asking you, mate. I'm more surprised you weren't down the mines at five, John. <laughs> <laughs> Not everywhere in Wales is full of mines. We're a very <laughs> multicultural city. You probably haven't been outside of Scotland very much, mate. <laughs> hey, I was seven. Not five, I was down the mines, to be fair, okay? Yeah. I had some friends of Charles. We'll give him that. So, um, yeah. Just kind of sum up the, the Challenge Cup next week. It's Thursday, isn't it? Scott? Uh, the second leg? Unfortunately. Uh, the, the, the excitement for Cov Guildford and then the first week in January is second leg Belfast Nottingham. Um, one last point I want to raise um, was last Saturday in Glasgow, Sheffield. Uh, Jonathan Phillips laced up and it was his 1,000th game for the, the Sheffield Steelers. Um, a guy known to us for club and country, but to do 1,000 games for a, a team um, is a pretty fair achievement. Um, and, a, and a guy, you know, probably one of the most respected players in the league, even at his age. Um, just round table. Um a thousand games. Could we see anybody even getting close to that in the near future, or in ten, fifteen years' time? I don't think so. Not for one club either. I mean, to be fair, have a career that stems a thousand games at, at, at this level, with the amount of injuries you're likely to pick up along the way, is incredible. But a thousand games at the same club is unheard of. Um, obviously, and along for those thousand games, he's played over hundred caps for his country as well. Like you say, probably one of the most well-respected guys throughout the league uh, and nobody's got a bad words saying he's the guy he's just a gentleman to be fair he's a, a player that I think every team would have liked especially in the last decade or so maybe his, his days are kind of coming to a close now but he's still at this age and he still performs he still goes out there kills penalties does what he has to do block shots still captain of the station he's still still fast gets faster every year. He's just def- defying science in that respect almost. And he's made a granite, let's be honest. The guy's had some shocking injuries over the years. It could be 700 games by now. He really could. 
he's probably lost quite a lot of games because of his knees and stuff over the years. But whereas he's come back stronger every single time, a lot of guys would have probably taken the easy option and retired and maybe be out of the game by now. Yeah, absolute legend of a guy, good Cardiff boy. Came from a bit of a, a rough part of the city to make you know, a massive career for himself. And good for him. Amazing achievement. It'll never happen again, I don't think. I started watching ice hockey in 2000 and Mr. Phillips was playing in the BNL with Basingstoke and Milton Keynes and then, and then he was in Cardiff and Sheffield like if you talk British ice hockey you talk about Jonathan Phillips don't you he used to piss me off how he used to moan at the ref constantly and get his decisions but what a player and what a pro and it's not the end of him is it we're, we're not even talking about a thousand games and he's done I don't know when he's going to quit, and he's nowhere near quitting. Um, absolute pro, and as a GB fan as well, so many memories. So, yes, congratulations, Mr. Phillips. I'll say one thing before being Ross in. It, it, the Worlds, this year, he was the oldest player. He was also still in the top 20-odd fastest players. And he was the oldest by a couple of years. And you're like, How? Especially, he's had, and he's had two bad knee surgeries on both knees. For him to be as quick as he is, it's it does it defies science. I'm, I'm with Chan on that one, uh, Ross. Um, obviously, you obviously know him just from obviously Sheffield player. But when you when he, whenever it's come down and you see Phillips the players, what's what your kind of members have been of that? Yeah, I was just going to say, never mind doing it for one club, which is impressive itself. But when you're saying who's next to do it, if anyone. Who's actually, it's maybe slightly off, off topic or off on a tangent, but guys aren't starting young enough. Um, realistically, who's starting young enough now to think who's going to have a career that long? I mean, it's impressive to do a thousand games in general, but as you say, he's no, without being cheeky about the guy, he's no spring chicken. Um, he's, he's, he's getting up there as a veteran. He's, he's playing against guys that are a good bit younger than him. Um, how many 18-year-olds are getting a crack at the IHL to ever do it? Um, it would be it would be lovely to see someone else in the future do it. But as it stands, I can't see anyone else getting close. Uh, yeah, I was just nodding along. That's a cracking shout, to be fair. Uh, that's the realistic point to get to a 1,000 games. If you think you're playing regular season, 50-odd games a season, add your playoffs, whatever in there, your Challenge Cups, whatever crap tournaments they'll invent over the next 10 or 15 years, you're talking, you need 13, 14, 15 seasons at least to get to that level. And as Ross said, the league doesn't give chances to 18-year-old kids anymore. Maybe Jonah kind of came about when kids of that age could kind of get on third or fourth lines just to get a few shifts here and there and, and then almost kind of create a role for themselves and hang in there for a bit longer and then naturally develop as a player, which is what we want to see happen. But the league now won't have kids 18, 19, 20, even 21 it's a good point and I think almost by default I think it'd be hard to ever beat the record unless kids are given a chance let's be honest with you we've had Kirk's probably the only one in the last so many years made a real name for himself but naturally he's, he was so good he had to go abroad and hopefully he'll make a career abroad for the next four, five, six hopefully the rest of his career um, and it's, it's sad in a way because like you say these young kids now that play junior hockey they must look up to this guy and think I want to be him one day I want to be Jonah 
Johnny Phillips, what a, what a, what a career. Well, like Ross says, they don't stand a chance of getting it unless an absolute stud at a junior level. And even then, will they get a shot before the age of 20, 21? And will they still be wanting to play the game at that age? I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, hats off to the guy. Absolutely incredible. And yeah, maybe he's one of the last ones. So if not, the last one to ever do it. Very much like everyone said. Um, oh, great player. Great captain. Uh, for club and country and I do hope that when he does decide to call it a day that that PR saying that 20 is going up the rafters is put out within the hour if ever a player has earned that right um, to have his number retired is definitely Jono Phillips um, so yes congratulations uh, Jono and, and hopefully many more games still left in the in the tank as it were um, so that leaves any, if there's any other business any other topics you guys want to raise See a lot of shaking heads, and, and I think John's still trying to work out some technology. No, he's shaking his head. So we move on to the last uh, topic, too good, too bad. Um, Scott, let's start with you, Mater. What's your too good, too bad? Uh, too good is um, the Sheffield fans. Give them. Well done. Uh, second too good is... Scott Conway in the Sky Dome. He loves that place. He's my new Lane Ulmer. He's my new Dallas Earhart. When players play well in that rink, they do well. Uh, second, uh, oh, sorry, my too bad is Blaze and Guildford. It's a massive chance of a trophy and we shit the bed. Um, second too bad is Clan, just bored here. Do something. Uh, and moving on to, uh, to Ross. You're too good, too bad. I'm going to need to ask like Fife, and it's disgusting that you put me in this position. Um, but my two good is probably Fife, unfortunately. I'm really enthusiastic and extremely happy for them, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, Getting through to a, a semi. Um, too bad is Fife getting through to a semi. Um, I don't think I've got a second one for either of them. Um, both of those things kind of stick in my throat a little bit, if I'm honest. So we'll move swiftly on. We, we, I think we found, Scott, I think we found John's equivalent of when he just mentioned Cardiff City at every one. I think we've just found the equivalent of this one. Uh, moving on to John. Yeah, I almost thought it was a stage club, a semi over five, first of all. I was like, please don't say you're going to go along those lines. I don't know how you're going to kind of come back from that, to be fair. So I'll move quickly on. Um, as promised last weekend, um, in terms of two goods, Guildford again, another four-point weekend. I know one's obviously technically a league game, one's a, a cup. So is it not really a four-point weekend as such, but back-to-back wins again. They obviously found a way to win tonight. That's the first. Uh, second two goods, um, got to give some credit to... Sanford in Cardiff is another hat-trick again. Um, I think it's like 22, 23 goals. What did I miss then? You say? Move on. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think it's about 23 goals a season. By far the highest goal scorer in the league, so fair play to Mr. Sanford. Um, that's all I missed there. Um, too bad. Manchester at home on a teddy toss. 
let's be fair, if you pick Belfast Giants to have a Teddy Toss, you deserve to get shut out. Now, I'm not being funny. There's a certain reason why teams like Cardiff play Dundee every December. They're fairly confident. They're not going to be embarrassed, not going to go. So Storm doing that in front of their own fans, that's kind of funny. Um, second too bad. Saturday is, to repeat what Scott said, Blaze going to, to Guildford and just running over and getting a tummy tickled and they're now out after one game in the cup. So yeah, Coventry poo-poo in the bed is my other too bad. You, you miss nothing, John, don't you worry. Um, my my too good, too bad, but too good. Um, it's got to be DuPont's bulldozing comment. I, I kind of held off. Wait and see what happened. That entertained me far too much than it should, but... Uh, yeah, that's my. I'm gonna in, in a ironic sense, it's the too good. Um, similar one to Scott. I'm gonna give a nod to the to the fans, Sheffield. Um, to Scott says, and I would say this, any other fan base did the same. and have the numbers go just before Christmas, um, and knowing that away travels gone up in price um, to get them numbers is is good work and hard work done by all those involved. So well done to everyone who went up there who was able to. Um, I have not been able to, um, but uh, there was a fair few in Sheffield found uh, one of the bars that, that showed the game. So, you know, kudos to them who went. Um, too bad. Manchester, tonight, one job. You had the chance to do something in Guildford, and you blew it. It's not good enough. My second bad, and John's already done it, but Manchester, getting shot on the teddy bear toss. What a joke. Poor form. Although it was entertaining last weekend being with two Manchester fans when Coventry was spanking them 9 0. Um, that was just going down really an absolute treat. Um, so, yeah, Manchester to fill, fill in both spots on that one. Really screwed the bed on that one. So, so that's it for this week's episode. Um, socials Twitter, Instagram, at 3 on 3 Podcast UK, Facebook, 3 on 3 Podcast UK. Um, give us a like, give us a follow, all that jazz. Uh, Ross, another great uh, appearance, mate. Thank you for giving up your time this, this evening. Thanks for having me, David. Much appreciated. And, and certainly entertaining, that's for sure. Scott, John, thank you for giving up your time this evening. Noise, boys. Always love it. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, a downbeaten Scott after the blaze, but, you know, let's close the gate. The gate is being closed. And that's the that's it for another episode of the Fear and Free Podcast.